Welcome to Getting Loud on the Cloud, a podcast for companies who are hosting their largest, most complex workloads on the cloud. Hello and welcome podcast fans. I'm your podcast takeover host, Ori Wiseman, a senior solutions architect with Silk. I've got about 15 plus years of professional technology experience, the last decade heavily focused on cloud technology, working with customers in the American, European, and Israeli regions. Most impressive. Okay, thanks, Darth. We would be honored if you would join us. Okay, I think I'm going to hold off on joining the dark side, but I do appreciate the offer. Today's podcast is entitled 2022, A Cloud Odyssey. But what does that even mean? Let's take a minute to unpack that title. The podcast is part of a larger series called Getting Loud on the Cloud. So obviously I'm talking about cloud technology here as well. And Merriam-Webster defines Odyssey as any long and complicated journey, often chasing a goal that can be both physical and spiritual in nature. And boy, if that doesn't sum up every IT project I've ever been a part of, being very physically and mentally taxing, and sometimes even ending up in a very different place than we expected. Therefore, as you may have correctly surmised, I'm referring to a specific type of cloud migration that centers around monoliths. Now, what do I mean when I say the word monolith? I'm not talking about Tycho Magnetic Anomaly 1 or TMA1, two points if you get that reference. And I'm not talking about mainframes that existed and dominated the IT landscapes of the 70s, 80s, and even the 90s and still exists in some of the dark corners of enterprises and corporations today. I'm talking specifically about relational database management systems that are large, complex, and centralized, and maybe running on platforms like Microsoft SQL Server, Oracle Database, IBM DB2, Epic if you exist in the healthcare space, and of course there are others. These are the different workloads that we're gonna center around for our discussion today. But why should you care? Why did I choose to talk about monoliths, monolithic workloads, and their particular migration paths to the cloud. Well, to answer that question, you should really start by listening to another episode on this fantastic series called Getting Loud on the Cloud, entitled Prepare for Takeoff, hosted by your regular disc jockey, Derek Swanson, our chief technology officer here at Silk. So if you haven't listened to that episode, hit the pause button, go take a listen, come back and rejoin us when you're done. It'll really help set the stage for today's discussion, and it'll give you a bit of insight into why I think this topic is so important. In the beginning of the episode, Derek says something that really caught my attention. He really turned a phrase. He said, cloud providers took a one-size-fits-most architecture approach when building out their cloud platform. And he's absolutely right. They wanted to cast the widest net possible so that they can bring in the most amount of workloads in the shortest amount of time. Thus, touting their adoption, and showing the world the business value that, that they could provide on a global scale. And it was really a revolution, 100%. There's no denying it. But this approach, while I definitely think it was the right one at the right time, didn't leave much room for the migration of these business-critical workloads. I'll give you an example. If you have a workload that is above needs above 2 gigs or 4 gigs of bandwidth, read-write bandwidth, there is no cloud provider that can give you a solution to host that database in their platform unless you're refactoring it. And that was the migration path assigned to these big, heavy, centralized, monolithic workloads. As Derek continues throughout his podcast, he touches on the different migration paths available, and he specifically talks about this refactoring message that the cloud providers pushed, especially with these types of workloads. Now, they did this for a few reasons. Again, Derek points this out. 
Refactoring is a way to get you in a managed service that makes it a little bit more difficult than it would normally be to leave. So if you are doing a lift and shift into the cloud, it's easy to lift and shift out of the cloud or into another cloud. So it's not as sticky. But if you're doing a refactoring of your business critical application and it goes into some serverless platform, it's not to say that you can't move out of that serverless platform into another serverless platform, but it makes the move a little bit more difficult, a little more dependent on the particular services that the cloud provider can provide. And sometimes it can be another long and painful refactoring journey. So it's not a really, there's no real good story or migration path that has been available for these types of workloads. And that has caused these cloud providers to reinforce a bad refactoring message until now. Because with the Silk Cloud Platform, you don't need to refactor these workloads. And this gets into the core of my theory, the core of what I'm trying to prove to you today. I don't want to spend time talking about the platform. We can do that if you'd like. You can find me on LinkedIn, send me a message. I'll give you a one-on-one -on -one technical overview of how it all works. Please do that. However, I just want to put it out there that there is now a lift and shift path available for these monolithic workloads. And because there is a lift and shift path available, a clean path, a codeless path, a refactorless path, because that path is available, it 100% of the time, not 99%, 100% of the time makes sense to move the monolith into the cloud first and then refactor it. And that is what we call at Silk, lift, shift, and evolve. And the basic theory here is it's a lot easier to refactor one thing instead of two things simultaneously. What do I mean by that? If you're moving from one operating environment to another while also changing the core of how the system itself works, you're dealing with two very difficult things at the same time. But if you only change the operating environment through a lift and shift migration, and then once you're in the operating environment and successfully operating your system, it is then much easier to change the system. So you shouldn't be changing the system and the operating environment simultaneously. You should first change the operating environment, work out whatever maturity issues you have in operating this new system in this new environment, and then and only then get to changing the system. Which brings me to a point I want to make directly to those cloud providers and the cloud sellers working there. Anyone who's trying to increase their consumption, it's time to ditch this refactoring message specifically for these monolithic workloads. It doesn't make sense to refactor these massive ecosystems piece by piece while you are simultaneously moving into the cloud. And so, Because this new lift, shift, and evolve paradigm is so much better for the customers. It makes so much more sense to do a larger migration that's based on a more mature migration path like lift and shift if you have the performance available to you in the cloud, which of course, with the Silk Cloud platform, you do. To emphasize some of these points and shed light on some additional benefits of using this approach when trying to target these monolithic workloads for migration into the cloud, I want to work through an example together. And I'm going to pick on Oracle here because Oracle provides such a good use case for what we're talking about. Oracle dominated the relational database market in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and they still are the biggest player in this market today. Now let's build out this use case together. We'll create a fictitious company that we'll call the Acme Corporation. If you ever watched Looney Tunes as a kid, then you get that reference. 
the Acme Corporation will say is running their own facilities. So they own and operate their own data centers. And we'll say they have two data centers. They have a primary data center in their primary location, and then they have a remote data center that's geographically separate and used primarily for backups and DR solutions. Within the primary data center is where we'll put our Oracle monolith, our very large, our very highly performant Oracle database instance. And we'll say that it's running on top of an Exadata machine. Exadata being a hyper-converged solution from Oracle that combines hardware and software tuned specifically for Oracle workloads, a great way to run your Oracle database on-premises. And we'll further say that this Exadata machine is running on top of Oracle Rack or real application clusters, thus making it highly available within this rack, within this pod. Now, this can never go down because it's business critical, remember? So we're going to say that we need a standby instance in another rack, in another pod, in the same data center with the same configuration, and we're going to use Active Data Guard to do synchronous replication between the two. So if one fails, we can fail over to the other one, and it's very, very close, so latency is not an issue. Now let's assign Agni Corporation of purpose. Let's take this use case a step further. We'll say that they're an online retailer, an e-commerce company. They sell widgets through a website. And this monolithic workload that they have functions as the back end of their e-commerce platform. So they exist with a headless commerce architecture. Headless commerce was a phrase coined by Forrester when they came out with a report about how these big e-commerce customers were lagging behind the UX UI revolution back in 2013. And thus these new systems arrived where you had backend functionality for a store decoupled from the front end UI and UX, and you could use different platforms for both. So we'll say that Acme Corporation went through this process to decouple their e-commerce store and created this backend separate from the front end. And finally, we're going to assume that there are other applications that tie into this ecosystem that need to pull data or manipulate data within this monolithic workload within this Oracle database. They might be analytical platforms that are generating reports for executives or salespeople in the field, or it could be a customer engagement or marketing platform. But we're just going to assume that there's a bunch of other applications that need to plug into this ecosystem as well, and thus have to reside in this data center because of the close proximity and the the latency issues that you have when you're running different things in different locations. Now that we've completed the use case, and I'd like to note that this is a real world scenario that exists today. Headless commerce really took hold in 2013, 14, and 15. And some of these larger retail customers really did try to make this transition and decouple their platforms so that they divorce the front end from the back end. And then they can even plug other front ends in. So people are looking to do things with voice assistance today, and there's mobile platforms and web platforms and all sorts of other ways to sell people products. This is indicative of uh, the situation that kind of unfolded in the market here in the past five, seven, 10 years. All right, now we're at the good part where I get to plead my case on why my theory that migrating a monolithic system like this as is into the cloud is a better idea than refactoring it. Yeah, baby! <laughs> All right, well, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Now let's forget about where this monolith is running for just a second. And let's just think about a solution like this and what we would do if we wanted to refactor it. And we can assume that we're refactoring it in the same place. If we are doing a refactor, then we want to make sure that we can shave off pieces of this monolith and make it smaller and smaller until it no longer exists and take those pieces and turn them into individual stateless microservices. That's basically what the cloud providers are pushing today. They're trying to get you to event-driven architectures, to serverless architectures, to microservices-based architectures. And if we're going to do that for a system like this, if we can all do it in the same place, it becomes far, far easier because 
when you shave off a piece of this, you're not going to run it into operating environments and thus it will be in the same location and there will not be a latency issue. And it's also the operating team that's running the monolith is going to be able to run this system as well in the same exact way. And when I'm talking about the operating team, I want to be specific here too. I'm talking about the team that's running the platform itself, that's running this monolithic workload, because that team is different than the team that might be running some other solution that might already exist in the cloud. So it's possible that the Acme Corporation has already started their cloud journey, but the different teams might be operating in different places. So you'll have teams that are running applications in the data center and teams that are running applications in the cloud, and they won't necessarily overlap. If you have a team that needs to now split itself and run an application both on-premises and in the cloud, you're not talking about two different skill sets. And it makes it more complicated, more risky, and it puts more of a burden on the employees as well. So at this point, I think we can agree, or at least I'm going to say that we're agreeing, that running a system in the operating environment of the future and refactoring it there is always going to be a better idea than doing a refactor and move to a new operating environment. Now, even if this was the only benefit that I'm touting here today, I still think it's more than enough reason to convince you that you need to lift and shift these workloads into the cloud especially since you have the Silk platform to give you the performance you need if you're exceeding these limitations that cloud providers have. But of course, that's not the only benefit. And if you think about what you gain simply by executing a lift and shift migration, the most mature migration path, the least risky migration path when moving to the cloud, you make huge gains in breaking that part apart the monolith already. And I'm going to explain. When that Oracle database is tied into Exadata and Rack, it really becomes more like an appliance, highly coupled, highly reliant on itself, and susceptible to multiple points of failure. When you take that Oracle database software and you remove it from that underlying hardware, the main issue is that you're never going to get that type of performance in the cloud. But of course, that's not the case because Silk exists and you can get that performance. So if you take that out of that appliance-like architecture, that hyper-converged solution, and put it into the cloud, you have already begun to decouple, to eliminate points of failure, and you can start to take advantage of the cloud-native solutions that give you high availability, more so than you can get in the data center. And I want to pause here and just say something specific. Gartner has a report that they put out every year about IT spending, and it also goes into outages that occur between cloud providers and, and on-premises data centers. And they are saying in this report for 2021 that since 2009, the gap between the amount of outages that happen on-prem and happen in the cloud has been increasing. And in 2021, while the cloud providers did have major outages, all of the major cloud providers did have major outages, they paled in comparison to the type of outages that people had with their on-premises data center. Again, what business do you want to be in? Do you want to be in the business of creating and running data centers? No, you don't. So it's better to outsource this to the experts. But to lend a bit of credence to what I'm saying here, let's consider a simple example. Microsoft alone spends over a billion dollars on security every single year. And that number keeps getting bigger year over year. That just gives you a sense of the type of investment that's being made here into these platforms. And I would be willing to bet, now this is an assumption, but I'd be willing to bet that the list of companies that invest a billion dollars into their entire IT budget every year is probably pretty small, let alone just on security. 
In conclusion, I want to touch on a conversation I had with an account executive at one of these large cloud providers. By their estimation, and this is of course anecdotal, 98% of these monolithic workloads that I've described here today within the retail space alone remain on-premises. That's a very large number. And I think part of the reason is because there hasn't been a good story around this migration path. There hasn't really been a good migration path. Refactoring was really a non-starter for the majority of these companies, as you can see by the anecdote we just shared. And this is really why I chose the title that I did, because this migration path, this journey for these monolithic systems to take to get into the cloud operating environment wasn't really a journey at all. It was more like an odyssey, one that could be extremely physically, mentally, and financially taxing for that matter. But as we know and discussed during this podcast, with the rise of the Silk Cloud platform, you don't need to refactor these workloads to get them into the cloud. And because you don't need to refactor to get them to the cloud, if you want to refactor them, you should always do it in the cloud, in the operating environment of the future. Thanks everyone for listening to my podcast today. I do hope I'll talk to you guys again, but until next time, hasta la vista, baby. Getting Loud on the Cloud is sponsored by Silk, the database supercharger on the cloud. Want to get the fast performance your databases need on the cloud? The Silk Cloud Platform can help. Learn more at silk.us. Thanks for listening.